Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn turn to Acts in chapter number one. Hold your hand there, place a marker there, and then go to Luke and uh, in chapter number 24. Acts in chapter number one, put a marker there, and then Luke chapter number 24 this morning. What is our purpose? Why are we here? What's the point to all of this thing we call life? Sometimes we call the rat race, right? It feels like we're at times a hamster just in a wheel doing the same thing over and over again, week after week and month after month, maybe year after year. Why does the church exist? Why why do we give our lives to the church and gather multiple times weekly? Why was I placed here on this earth and why were you placed here on this earth? Are we fulfilling our God-given purpose as individuals, as Christians, and together as our church family? You know, those questions I just asked, those are questions that mankind has struggled with for millennia, aren't they? You can go back thousands of years to one of the wealthiest and wisest men to ever live on this earth, and you'll see him struggling with some of those same questions in the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon. I preached through that book several years ago, 13 weeks, I think, or 19 weeks through Ecclesiastes, and called that series, I titled it, The Big Experiment. It really was Solomon kind of saying, I'm going to figure out where fulfillment in this life is found. If you've never read it, I'd encourage you to read it. I think it's 13 chapters, if I remember correctly, and maybe 12, 13. And, and uh, it's, it's Solomon, the man that had all of the resources at his disposal, everything, all the money. He could try anything that he wanted, and he said, I'm going to figure out where fulfillment, where purpose, where happiness is found in this life. So we're not the first generation to struggle with some of those questions. Why are we here? What is our purpose? What, what's going to bring fulfillment? What Solomon found was that what many people make their purpose for life, temporal things here on this earth, pleasures and material gain and and business success, what he found is what many of us make our purpose on life is empty, dissatisfying, and unfulfilling. In fact, he said it this way. He said it's vanity, meaning it's worthless, it's empty. Everything that, that we're searching for down here is vanity, it's empty, it's worthless, it's unfulfilling. But he said not only does it not have a positive aspect, not only is it vanity or just empty, he talked about chasing the wind, something you can never grasp the wind. He said you're just, you're, you're reaching for the wind. He said not only is it not positive, he said it's vanity and vexation of spirit. Not only is there not a positive side when we live our lives for things that aren't fulfilling, but then it vexes our spirit. There's a negative aspect to it. What the world says will make us happy, the Bible says never will. What we're trying to find here on earth in, again, uh, position or possession or power or relationship or, or something like that, prestige of some sort, some pleasures, what we're trying to find there, we're trying to fill that heart, that hole in our hearts, that hole that's in our lives, it's a God-sized hole, if you will, and we try to fill it with, with cheap substitutes. It's a hole that only God can fulfill and can find, that we can find in Him. 
The world-famous actor and comedian Robin Williams, who committed suicide in 2014, he said this, he said, all it takes is a beautiful fake smile to hide an injured soul, and they will never notice how broken you really are. This is someone who made the world laugh and had seemingly achieved the ultimate success in life. He had, he had risen to the top of his profession, was basically by most universally beloved, and what did he say? He said, I haven't found what I'm looking for, and sadly ended his own life. Celebrity Jim Carrey, who has a net worth of an estimated $150 million, was quoted as saying, I wish everyone could experience being rich and famous so that they could see it wasn't the answer to anything. Those that we hold up as the bastions of worldly success, whether in the area of politics or business or professional sports or Hollywood or music or any other arena, often struggle in great numbers with addictions, with broken relationships, with depression and suicide, just as the rest of the population does. And, and the rest of the population looks to them and said, they figured it out. And they get there and say, some of them, if they haven't found what brings true success with what Joshua called good success, and say, we haven't figured it out. It's not as fulfilling as we thought it would be. We, we got to the pinnacle and looked around and said, is this it? Why do we struggle so much in this life? Because we don't understand our purpose. We don't understand why God placed us here. Last week on Vision Sunday, I talked about the need for us as a church to know your why, to know why you're here. Why did God create you? Why did God place you here on this earth? And until we know our why, we are going to be looking in all different places for whys. Well, maybe this why. I'll give my life to this for a little while. Maybe that will make me happy. And oh, that substance didn't make me happy. And maybe this relationship will, will fill that hole. Well, that relationship didn't do it. Well, maybe this possession will. Well, maybe this career path will. And we, we search in all different places to find our why. Why were we placed here? Why are we here? We must understand individually our why, and this series is really talking about as believers, as Christians, and then as a church body as a whole, our church knowing our why. You know that churches can lose their purpose? They can lose their why. They can lose why they were founded, why people sacrificed, why people gave, why people started it, and we can turn inward and we can just become a religious country club, a religious social club, and lose our why. And as the pastor, I want to make sure that on a regular basis, annually, often in January, I'm reminding us, our church, what is our why? And I said it last week, sometimes when I say our church, we all think of this building, we think of Liberty Baptist Church as this separate entity, the church is the people. So if this building burns down today, Liberty Baptist Church did not burn down. The facilities, the, the, the gathering place of Liberty Baptist Church burned down. We are the church, and so when I'm talking about our church's why, I'm talking about your why. And I'm talking about my why. And if we're not fulfilling this why, knowing our purpose, then the church is not going to be doing what God has called us to do, what God wants us to do. And so for the next, today and the next three Sundays, we're going to look at our fourfold purpose, knowing our why. And I talked about it last week. Within our daily lives, within our circles of influence, within our, our giftings, God has different whys for all of us, different purposes, and it might be as a business owner, and for me it might be as the pastor of a church, and for another it might be as a teacher, and, and that is your specific individual why, and God gives all of us different specific whys, if you will, vocationally, and where God has placed us to be salt and light. 
I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but within that, no matter where our individual whys are, God's calling, all four of these things are who we are to be as believers, as church members. We must understand our why. I said last week, our purpose is our why, our church purpose. Then we must clarify our how, our process is our how. So I talked last Sunday on Vision Sunday, here's our four, fourfold purpose, and we as assistant pastors had to sit down a couple of years ago when COVID wiped everything off the calendar, and sit down and say, is our process, the programs of our church, are they pointing toward our purpose? Or are we just keeping ourselves busy with a bunch of enjoyable activities, but we're not helping God's people fulfill their God-given purpose as believers? And so we talked on Vision Sunday, what's coming up in 2023, our how, our programs, our processes, how are we going to try to help you and try to help me to better fulfill our purpose, our why? So why are we here? And how are we going to accomplish that? That's what these four messages are going to be about. I explained last week our four-step purpose and process. I think we have the graphic there. Our four steps is to share the gospel. I won't go into detail on this because we're hitting on it each week. To share the gospel, to grow in the gospel, to connect through the gospel, and then to live the gospel. And we talked about that in summary last Sunday. Now this morning and the next three Sundays, I want to break it down in a little more depth to make sure we understand why, what, why did God leave us here? Why did he save us? Well, yes, to bring him glory, yes, to magnify him, but why, why does the church exist? Why are we still here, biblically speaking, as a body of believers, a corporate gathering of God's people together? And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to begin in Acts in chapter number one, and then, I'm sorry, Luke 24, and then we're going to go over to Acts 1 briefly. The gospel, according to Luke, as we're going to read, is the story of Christ's earthly life and ministry. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are narrative books that tell us that, they, that four different accounts that go together, four different accounts of Jesus' earthly life and ministry. So if you want to know what Jesus' life was about, how he was born, how, how he was brought up, there's not a lot about his childhood. There are a few verses here and there. You can get a little sense of some things. And then his three-year earthly ministry when he walked on this earth, that's accounting in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now Luke, so in the, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John comes after Luke, and then the book of Acts. And I preached about 70-some messages on Sunday mornings a few years ago through the book of Acts. Acts is a book of action. It's the acts of, it says the act, if you read it, your Bible probably says the acts of the apostles. It's really the acts of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles. And, and it's a book of action. It's the history of the early church. So so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cover about 30 years, Jesus' earthly life and ministry. He lived 33 years. Acts covers about another 30 years. Acts begins with Jesus going back into heaven after his resurrection. And it's then the next 30 years after Jesus is gone, the history of the early church in first century. And, that's the, and so when we read it, sometimes we think, well, John's in between there, but Acts is the sequel to Luke. So when you finish Luke and you go to Acts 1, you are reading, you are reading the two books that go together. It's the sequel written by the same person. Dr. Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. So Luke writes Luke, the gospel according to Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, it's God's word. Uh, Luke was the, the inspired penman, if you will. And then you have the sequel, you have Acts. Those two books go together, and that's why we're going to end in Luke, and then we're going to jump over to Acts, and it's really a continuation of each other, understanding those things. 
So we're going to see the end of Christ's ministry and the beginning of the New Testament local church here, and we're going to understand our purpose, why Christ left us here. Look, would you look at Luke chapter number 24? Would you read with me? Luke chapter number 24, follow along in verse number 36. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, I'd encourage you to grab one from the pew rack in front of you and follow along. We're going to look at, I guess, 15 or 20 verses this morning. If you're following along on a phone or a tablet, I'll be reading from the King James Version of the Bible, Luke 24, verse number 36. The Bible says, And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your heart? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament, and in the prophets, the Old Testament, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Understand where we're at here. Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he rose again. They watched him die on the cross. They ran to the tomb and realized his body wasn't there, and they've been gathering. They're scared to death. They had left everything. We talk about re-surrender. We sang that this morning. They had left everything to follow Jesus, And, and they had followed him and seen amazing works, and now they watched their leader, their savior, their hero, their teacher, their rabbi. They watched him die, and they're scared to death. What next? Are we all going to die? Which they would in time. Are we all going to be be crucified? What's going to happen next? And Jesus shows up. You see, when he resurrected, when he came back to life, he did not go immediately to heaven. There was about a month period in between there before he ascended back to heaven. And and he was seen of hundreds of people, and he came and talked to them. And this is it. So I says, what what are you so scared of? And they they had seen a spirit. They were scared, and they, they had seen a spirit. And Jesus said, it's not a spirit. I'm here. It's me. I rose again. And so this is, we have Jesus' last words, humanly speaking, if you will, before he goes back into heaven while he was still here on earth. Look at verse number 46. So what are his last words? What is the priority? Some of the last things that are going to be recorded of what he said to them. And he, would you read verse number uh, 30, uh, 46 aloud with me? Ready? Begin. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Look at verse 47, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And look at verse 48. Would you read verse 48 aloud with me? Ready? Begin. And ye are witnesses of these things. He says, here's my message to you. Here's your job. Here's your purpose. You were witnesses of my life, my death, my resurrection. You need to go tell everybody you can what you've experienced. Isn't that what a witness does? If you, if you, if you experienced or you observed a car accident, what are you? you? The police come and they take a witness statement. What are you doing? You're sharing what you saw, heard, felt, experienced. 
He says, you are witnesses. You guys saw all of this. You saw my life. You saw my death. You saw my resurrection. That is the gospel, the good news of Christ, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You saw this, verse number 49, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Stay here in Jerusalem until you have my power. Verse 15, he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them, and it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. So he ascends to heaven, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They had been given their, 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 uh, their commission, and they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. So they're there, they're in a transition period, they're in a waiting period, waiting for the power of God to come upon them. And the last things he said to them, you are witnesses of all of this, go tell everybody that you can. That's your job. That's why I saved you, and that's why I left you here. Turn with me and hold your hand, and we're going to come back to Luke 26, 24 for the, um, for the, 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 the um, most of the remainder of the message. But look at Acts chapter number one. Remember, I told you it's a sequel. So Jesus has just ascended. Acts chapter number one, look at verse number three. All of this is introduction, then we'll get to our message. Acts chapter number one, verse number three, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. That's, he's kind of recapping what he ended. You, You ever see that where a TV show, it's to be continued. And what do they say on the next show? Previously on, and they show you a quick recap. That's what the beginning verses of Acts are. It's recapping the last few verses of Luke. He said, when they were together, he commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, what wilt thou at this time, or wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So here's what it is. They're saying, God, you're going to make everything good here on earth, right? You're going you're to set up your, your you're going you're gonna to be, be the politician we need to solve all of our problems, right? You're going to set your kingdom up here and fix it all? Fix all the politics and all the corruption and all the violence? You're going to fix all that right now? Verse 7, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons. God's in control of all this, and he sees things in ways we don't see it. The Father's put it in his own power. Verse number 8, here it is. Here's what he said. It's another recap of, of his last words. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And would you read the rest of the verse with me? Ready? Begin. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. There from the Mount of Olives, they watched Bethany. I've been there. I've stood there. They watched him ascend. And I have to imagine, based on the way that the the two men, the messengers of God, spoke to them, that maybe it was kind of like, that sounds good, but now what? And they were just maybe kind of there and talking amongst themselves. And what does he say? He says, why are you, what are you doing wasting your time staring in the sky? He's coming back. 
He's coming back to this spot. He's going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives. He's coming back to this spot. Go get busy doing what he told you to do. Don't waste any more time here waiting for him or thinking about or wondering or talking or fearful. He gave you your orders. He gave you your commission. He gave you your charge. Go do what he left you to do, which was what? To be witnesses of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what is our purpose as a church? And what is our purpose as, as believers? I believe our priority, this, someone said it was his last command, it's our first priority, is to share the gospel. That's point number one our church purpose. It's why we are here. And we, I think all of us would agree with that, but we need to take inventory and say, are we living that? Is our church actually doing that? Are we making an eternal impact every day in our Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth? Are we helping to get the gospel to those who have never heard? That is why Liberty Baptist Church exists. I'm thankful for the fun that we have, and I'm thankful for activities, and I'm thankful for facilities, and I'm thankful for entertainment, if you will, where people come and we have fellowships. I'm thankful for all of those things, and we'll talk about some of them in the coming weeks. But when you strip it down to the basic reason, the last words of Jesus, Luke ends with a command to his disciples, be witnesses, and Acts starts the early church history with a command to be witnesses. Why are we here? We're here first and foremost to share the gospel. If we don't share the gospel, there's no point for Liberty Baptist Church to exist. We're just spinning our wheels. We're chasing the wind. We're entertaining ourselves, and churches get so distracted, and Christians and believers get so distracted from why God left us here. Any study of the life of Christ will show the priority given for his followers to actively tell others what they had seen, heard, and experienced. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did he come to earth? What was his purpose? I talked about it last week a little bit. What was his why? To seek and to save that which was lost. To share the gospel. Now, he was the gospel. He was the, but to seek and to save. He came so that people, the Bible says he came that we might have life and that we might have more abundantly. He said, I, I come, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why did he come, go to the cross? He became sin. He died a sinner's death. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why did he go to the cross? He came so we could know eternal life. He died so that we could have eternal life. He rose that we, so that we could have eternal life. And then he told us as his followers and as his church that our purpose and our priority is to share the gospel. That's why we're here. We're not a religious social club. We're not just a safe alternative to the evil world around us. We don't come just to get some feel-good feelings or some spiritual TED talk that makes you some better self-help principles to make you uh, more effective at work and to help you make more, more money for your family, which by the way, if you follow biblical principles, you'll become more effective at work, and you'll make more money. But that's not the priority of why the church exists. The church exists so that we can gather together, we can worship Him, we can magnify Him, we can praise Him, we can learn in Him, we can hold each other accountable, we can pray for each other, we can help each other, but ultimately so that we can spread to our daily lives and share the gospel with those God's placed in our lives. There are people that, I, that you know that I could never reach with the gospel. And there are people that you know, that I, that, that, that I know, that you could never reach with the gospel. God wants all of us to share the gospel. We don't have a Christian school just because we don't like the godless things the public school is teaching and modeling. 
By the way, we don't like the godless things that the public school is teaching and modeling, but that's not the only reason we don't have a Christian school, just so that they don't hear the godless things. No, we also have a Christian school so that they do hear the gospel. We're not just cursing the darkness, but shining the light. It's not just we don't want you to hear that stuff, we want you to hear the right stuff so that you give your life to living for that for a lifetime. As a, everything we are and everything we do as a ministry should point toward the goal of sharing the gospel with everyone we can. As a church, our purpose starts with telling those who have never heard that there's a Savior who loves them so much that He died for them. So that is our why. We want our how to be that every time people come to a service here, they're going to hear that good news. We have bus routes and Bible studies and outreach days and special events and a Christian school and missions conferences and mission trips, not just to have fun together, but hopefully to spread the good news of the gospel of Christ to those who have never heard. As a follower of Christ, how is your witness? How are you doing in sharing the gospel with others? Those that follow you on social media, would they have any idea that you're a believer? that Christ has changed your life? Your coworkers, your neighbors, do they have any clue that there's something different about your life? Or is your religion, is church something you do one hour on Sunday morning and then you live your life for another 167 hours? And you say, Pastor Ryan, it's definitely not something I do for an hour because you preach an hour every week, so it's an hour and a half. Is it something you do for an hour and a half? And then you live the next 166 and a half hours for yourself. No, God called us to share the gospel. We are not saved just to enjoy it ourselves, not saved to sit, not saved to just us four no more. Well, our family got fire insurance. We got, we got our get out of hell free card. I'm trying to be irreverent. No, he didn't just save us for us to be saved. He want, he, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that's our why. That kid's song, they might have sung it this morning in one of our children's classes. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it what? And what does one of those verses say? Hide it under a? No. I'm going to let it shine. Have you been ashamed of Christ, teenager? Young adult? College student? Single person? Young married couple? Middle-aged couple? Senior saint? Widow? Widower? Have you been hiding it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. I want to give us a few thoughts from Luke in chapter number 26. You can turn back there. It's where we'll stay the remainder of the message. A few thoughts on our purpose, knowing our why. Why are we here according to Scripture? Why are we here as believers? I want you to see, number one, our message. Our message, verse number 46. The Bible says, would you read verse number 46 aloud? Ready? Begin. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Our message, what is our message as a church? Our message is Christ crucified, buried, and living again. We call that the word the gospel. Gospel just means good news. The Bible says that that is the gospel, that Christ died for us in our place. He lived a sinless life. He took our sin upon him. He died on the cross to save you and to save me, to forgive your sins and to forgive mine. He came as our substitution. He came in our place. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The payment of sin is death. Just like the payment in our society of murder is jail time, the payment of DUI is jail time, the payment of sin is death. 
past. So Jesus came and he had no sin to pay for. He was a sinless savior. So he paid your payment and mine. He died on the cross in your place and in mine. And then he was buried. And by the way, other, other people have purported to be able to save you and to be a, a religious leader, but there's only one who rose from the dead, who conquered death so that you and I could one day conquer death. And here's what he says, that is your message. You're to be witnesses of me. Christ crucified and risen again should be the centerpiece of our preaching. Too often we as Christians, we shout our opinions, we boldly proclaim our political leanings, we trumpet our favorite sports teams, and then we whisper the truths of the gospel. Far too often, pulpits are filled with man-made traditions, political commentary, personal preferences, cultural agendas with little, if any, eternal truth to be found. These things ought not so to be, church family. Our purpose and our priority is to preach Christ and Him crucified. As Paul told Timothy, preach the Word. As Paul told the church at Colossae, we preach Christ. That without Christ, there is no point to the church. Without Christ and the good news of Christ, there is no point to being a Christian. A Christian is a Christ follower. Our message is Christ crucified and risen again. Our mission, verse 47, that repentance and remission of sin should be preached. Look at this. In his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He said, start where you are and then make sure your witness is making it to where you're not. What did he say in Acts chapter 1? You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, the circle gets bigger, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. What is our mission? Our mission is to get the gospel to everywhere that we can, starting in our Jerusalem. We have one of our missionaries here. We partner with over 100 missionaries on a monthly basis. And I've been to Ukraine for, for a week and a half of my life, but many in this room, probably most, have never been to Ukraine. And I, I don't know if I'll ever go back or not. I don't know what God's plan is. But do you know that I have not made a huge impact for the sake of the gospel in Ukraine? But missionary Thomas and his wife, Derek Thomas and his wife, have given their lives to take the gospel to Ukraine. And they couldn't do it without partnering churches like this that pray and that give and that support and that encourage. And you know what Paul said? He said that that is when you support a missionary that takes the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth, that is fruit that abounds to your account. I don't understand how all that works, but somehow I, I firmly believe the Bible teaches by faith as my wife and I, we give to our missions program each and every week, and I have since I was in junior high of whatever church I've been a part of. I firmly believe that somehow God keeps track of all of that, and I have a small piece in every life that's been touched in the, in, through the ministry of, of Brother Thomas and others that are serving in Ukraine and in China and in Asia and in Africa and, and in South America and in Central America, and that is our mission is not just, well, we want to be comfortable here, where we want to have good facilities here, where we want whatever it might be here. No, we've got to keep a worldwide focus unto the uttermost part of the earth, among all nations. Well, you say, I'm glad my family knows, and so am I. So I'll just spend the rest of my life enjoying what God has blessed me with. No. Your family should be responsible for another family knowing who Jesus is. That's what God called us to do. Take what you've been given and share it with somebody else. I had on Friday morning, I had a few coffee appointments my wife and I did set up with uh, families, some in our church and some in our school, and we had coffee appointments set up just to try to get to know them better and for them to get to know us better. 
And David and Myra, you were one of those appointments, and I left that—you were the last one, actually. I left that meeting so encouraged, and I asked them. They talked about how they, they're starting to read through the Bible, I think maybe the first time trying to read the Bible through in, in, in a year, and with our program that we're doing, and they're growing in and, and, and the Lord, and, and their kids. They're talking about how their kids are learning things the first semester in our school, and, and they're coming home and talking about Moses and talking about this. And, and I asked them, I said, how'd you hear about our ministry? And they said, well, there was a friend of ours, a neighbor who put her, their, her sons, Melissa, put her sons in your school a year ago and told us what they were learning and, 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 and the environment and the culture. And, and we wanted to find out. And so we came and we toured and we came. And I love, and, and Melissa's not a member of our church. She was in services last Sunday, but she comes from time to time. But, but her family and her family was responsible for another family finding a place where they could grow spiritually. I love that. That's what God called us to as, as God's growing us. He wants us to be responsible for helping others to grow. As we're finding truth, he wants us to share that truth with others. Our church, well, we're an established church now. We're 46 years old. We, we're doing okay financially, and God's blessed us with a beautiful campus, and, and things are good, and we have a staff, and I'm so glad I, I can just be in a church where we can just serve each other and enjoy it. No, the priority is to share the gospel. Not an inwardly focused church, but an outwardly focused church. It's so easy to turn inward and focus on our needs while there is a world who has never heard. Our church should be sending prayer, finances, resources, and members to other places often. It's so easy to turn inward and focus on our needs while there is a world who has never heard. The early church was a church in transit, constantly on the move to tell those who had never heard American Christians, those that are watching online, those that are here in the auditorium, have we lost our heart for missions because we've become so comfortable with our lives here in America? And until you've traveled and seen it, it's really hard to understand the dearth of the gospel in certain parts of this world. What we have an abundance of. If you don't like this church, you can find 10 others within a mile or two to try. If you want a copy of God's word in your language from start to finish, if you're like our family, you probably have dozens of them in your home. It's hard to understand those around the world who they've never heard the name of Jesus. I've been in countries and seen it. Have we lost our heart for the world? Number three, our mandate. Look at verse 48. And ye are witnesses. In Acts, he said, you shall be witnesses unto me. Not an option, a mandate. You are witnesses. Being a witness is not something we outsource to the pastor or staff. Well, I gave my offering. I sure hope they're witnesses this week. Sorry about that. I paid, I paid, my, I paid my payment for them to go be witnesses. I did my part. No, we are witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses. It's something all of us are called to do. Strike up conversations about people's need for Christ. Share resources with others. Pass gospel tracts. Invite people to church. Show the love of Christ. Meet needs. Go give to missions. Go on a missions trip. Make sure that we are obeying our mandate. His last command should be our first priority. Number four, our method. Verse number 49. And behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And Acts, it says, ye shall receive power. Here's what I want to remind us. The work is too big for us. You ever feel like, well, what, what difference can I make? Do you th and, and you know what you do? You look and read the Gospels and you say, wow, those 12 followers of Jesus, they were amazing people that made an amazing difference for Jesus. And you know what they were? They were people that misunderstood his word. 
that were selfish. They fought over who was the, the greatest. They fought with each other. One of, two of them, their mom, was over there doing some political backroom dealings, trying to get James and John to have the cabinet positions with Jesus in his, in his kingdom here on earth that he was never going to establish, his political kingdom. Even here, after his resurrection, oh, oh you're back. Okay, so now we're going we're gonna to win the election. So now you're setting up your throne here, and you're going to fix it all. And Jesus said, don't worry about that stuff. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. God's got all that under control. Your job is to go tell everybody how I changed your life. Your job is to live in a way that people see the truth, the, pow the powerful, life-changing truth of the message of Jesus Christ. That's your job. Who were the disciples? Well, they were some superhero Christians. No, they were people like you and me, men of like passions like as we. They were fishermen and tax collectors. They were common men. They, they, were, they were hated men. They, some of them were successful. There was Dr. Luke. There was a physician. They, they, were, they were all different people that had different struggles, that had different fears and different doubts. And those 12 men turned the world upside down. Now, not of their own strength. And you say, well, what can I do? I, I'm, not a, I'm not like those guys. And I'm not a pastor and I'm not a missionary. What can I do? You can turn your world upside down with the truth of Jesus Christ. But only in the power of God. We can never do it in our own power. God's work done in man's power, I've heard it said, is bound to, to fail miserably or succeed even more miserably. This isn't our work, and it's not to be done in our power. He said, make sure you're going in my power. Well, let's come up with some awesome ideas that we can manipulate to grow the church. No, let's pray. Let's seek God. Let's ask him to do through us what we could never do in our own strength. He promised to give us the strength and power to be witnesses. Are we tapping into that power in our lives? The method is to operate in the power of the Spirit of God. Lastly, our motivation. Our motivation. So why do we do this? Yes, the love of Christ constraineth us. But you know what I see, and we won't turn back there for the sake of time, but we read it in Acts chapter number one in this story. You know what I see? They told him, why, why are you standing here gazing? Why, why are you staring in the sky? What's our motivation? Acts chapter number one, verse number 11, the Bible says, which they also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. What is our motivation? Our motivation is we're going to see him again. He's coming again, and according to scripture, I believe it could be today. It might happen today. And, and here's the reality, when all of us are faced with death, with, with our lives being over, we really start to take inventory and say, how do I want to spend my final hours, my final days, my final weeks? If I know I might have months, my final months, I want to give my life to stuff that really matters when I know my time is short. But here's the problem. We don't understand that for all of us, our time is short. If we've not been given a prognosis by a doctor, we think we have lots of time. And we just don't know. And even if we do live 70 or 80 or 90 years, the Bible says that life is but a vapor. How many of you are figuring that out? Life goes faster than you thought. The older you get, the, the years start to fly by, right? And here's the motivation. He's coming again. We're going to see him again. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So what am I doing today for that day? 
What am I doing today that will matter in eternity? What am I giving my life for? Who am I helping? Who am I showing the love of Christ today? The promise of His soon return should motivate us to use everything within our disposal to share the life-changing news we've received with everyone we can. So as a church, what is our purpose? Our, our why is to share the gospel. It's why we exist. How will we do it this year? What is our how? I'm not going to go through and talk about this in depth, but we talked about some of the things that are coming up in our church calendar this year, and how are we going to do that, I would suggest, number one, all of us in our weekly lives, Starbucks and the grocery store and our, our co-worker in the cubicle next to us and, and our relatives and our social media friends and followers, we should be sharing the gospel in every way that we can at school and at work, at home and at play. How are we going to fulfill that? If that's our purpose, well, Pastor Ryan, I agree with you, that's our purpose. I hope the church is doing that. We are the church. Are we doing that? How are we doing that? Sharing the gospel. I'm so glad. By the way, I, I, was, I was saved not because a pastor reached my family, not because some amazing servant of Christ. I was saved because a quiet, backward, un, really kind of unknown member of a church that was really in, behind the scenes invited her coworker. Said, hey, Bobby, why don't you and Ryan come to church on Sunday? Our church is having a special outreach day. And, and I've told you this before, she's been here to this service, Denise England is her name. In my 30-ish years at that church, I'm not sure that I, maybe the choir, I'm not sure that I ever saw Denise involved in any other, and I don't mean that, she might have been, but I don't remember her being involved anywhere else. She was never platformed, she never sang solos, nobody, a lot of people in the church would, it's a, it was a big, it's a big church, a lot of people in the church didn't even know who she was, but my life and my family and now your life is impacted in eternal ways because just a wife, God had never blessed their home with children, just a, just a wife, an employee at an electronics company in the Silicon Valley invited the lady in the cubicle next to her. One, one invitation to church changed my eternity, changed generations of my family, changed everything. What was she doing? She was being a witness. So how are we going to accomplish it? What's our how? What's our process, our program? All of us being witnesses. We have the bus ministry. Maybe you want to get invited in that. I talked to you last week. The greatest outreach tool that we have as far as come and see, the greatest outreach event, I should say, that we have in the program of our church is Sundays at 10. Sunday morning at 10, invite people to be with you in church. I'll do my best every Sunday to clearly preach the good news of Jesus Christ as I've tried to do this morning. We have several saturation Saturdays. We've already covered about half of Newport Beach last year, every door. We're going to go out a few times this year, and then every Friday, uh, many, uh, multiple Friday mornings per month. Not every Friday morning, because sometimes there are things in our church calendar, but multiple Friday mornings per month. Our pastors will be going out at 9 a.m. You're welcome to join us. What are we doing? Trying to hit every door in our Jerusalem, saturating our area with the gospel. We have the Seedline Project that we've done for four or five years that we've sent about a half a million copies of scriptures around the world. We're going to do that again this year, and you can be involved in personally touching pieces of scripture, John and Romans, that will go to missionaries in places you and I will never step foot on, and our church will pay for those scriptures. And what happens? We don't know how, where that seed's going to go, but the Bible promised that God's word would not return void. There are little gospel seeds that will go all over the world, and I believe one day in heaven there will be fruit that abounds to your account as you gave of your time in February in our how, our program, our process. 
Toward the end of the year, we're going to have Friend Day with evangelist Tim Lee, a man that was preaching the day that Kevin and Janice Cyprian first came to this church some 30 years ago and trusted Christ as Savior. I've been told by pastors that there are very few that can as clearly and convicting in a convicting fashion give the gospel as this evangelist. What a great day for us to invite people to join us. And who knows what God might do? Lost his legs in Vietnam. And since that day, God used that to get a hold of his heart. And for the last now 40-ish years, he's been preaching the gospel all around the world. Easter Sunday, we have people in this room right now that were saved because they first visited on Easter Sunday. Invite somebody. Christmas Sunday, vacation Bible school for children to hear the gospel of Christ. Orange County Christmas Experience, the second annual where the gospel will be clearly given. Our missions extravaganza, three days where we focus on, on the need of the gospel around the world. So what's your why? Yes, your why may be to be a plumber, and that's God's why for you. Or to be a doctor, or a lawyer, an entrepreneur, a business owner, in, tech, in, tech, in the tech world, a, a homemaker, a wife, a mom, a teacher. That may be your vocational why, if you will. But for every one of us within that, our why, we should use that to do whatever we can to share the gospel. I don't know how to preach like you do, Pastor Ryan. You're just a witness. Have you seen God do anything in your life? All you have to do is tell people, I saw this. I can't explain it. Man, he's changed my heart. He's changed my passions. He's changed my desires. And they have a Bible question. I'll be honest. I'm still learning that myself. But I know know a guy that can maybe open up the the word and, and help you. Why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? Some of us get intimidated for different reasons. But God said, your witnesses, if you've seen me do something in your life, spend your life telling people what I've done in your life. Lift me up. And God can, some plant, some water, God gives the increase. Give toward missions. Pray for missionaries. Maybe go as a missionary. Be involved in, in, in our Jerusalem with kids at VBS and with our Bible studies, teaching people the Bible in our community groups and, 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 and through the Orange County Christmas experience and Easter and Sunday mornings and whatever that is. Decide today that you and I will do something to plant seeds of the gospel in people's hearts this week. What is the church? We said the why, the purpose of our church is to share the gospel. What is the church? You and me. Decide today to do something, and it'll be different for all of us, to do something to plant the seeds of the gospel in someone's heart this week. What can you do? It might be online. It might be in church. It might be teaching a kid's class tonight. It might be at work. It might be in your own home, opening the Bible and teaching your children. What can you do to share the good news of Christ with those that God has placed in your life? If our church loses that passion, And if our church loses that purpose, number one, we'll have no reason for existence. And number two, we won't be here for very long. Give it a generation and this church will no longer be needed. God will remove his power and nobody will be coming because we turned inward to meet our own needs rather than to be witnesses of the God who can meet their needs. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.